Actually, maybe some of you don't know that. My, my first career was as a school teacher. I, I did do that. It was bilingual, Spanish and English. And my first year was a first and second grade blend in English and in Spanish as a first year teacher. It knocked 10 years off my career. I only, I only lasted four. And then I started having my own kids and I'm super happy to be a pastor and not an elementary school teacher anymore. Um, I did love the kids and I loved their parents and I loved my peers and I loved actually classroom management. I hated writing curriculum and grading papers. And if you didn't know, that's actually like a huge part of the job. Um, so I'm super happy to have one where I get to be with people and I don't have to write so much curriculum and I don't have to grade any papers. You're welcome. I'm not giving you any papers to write. So what we're talking about at the gathering this year, we talked a little bit at our kickoff event last month. And if you were there, I'm sorry, because some of this is going to be a little bit of repeat. But we are um, at the gathering. We try to have kind of an overarching idea that that holds things together loosely so that you can know what to expect from month to month. Um, some of you love being here. You're always going to be here. Others of you, you kind of want to know what it's about so you can decide if it's worth your Thursday morning or your Wednesday night if, if the month works out for that schedule to be here on Wednesday nights. And so what we're talking about this year is building bridges. So if you think about the places in our world where there are gaps or chasms or rivers or those places where to get from point A to point B, there has to be a bridge or I suppose a big rope, but that does make it harder to swing across. So we're talking about building bridges, not like um, swinging on vines, although that could be spiritual too, but I digress. Um, so we're talking about building bridges. What does it look like to see where God has created a way across the chasms or the gaps in our life. So, um, for example, the, the human nature, the gap that we are all most aware of, is that God created us for relationship with himself, but because of the brokenness of our world and the brokenness of sin and the sin inside ourselves, we can't have relationship with God. And Jesus became the bridge that enables us to have relationship with God. When he lived a perfect life and he paid the penalty for our sin by his death on the cross, because understand that prior to Jesus, religion was a sacrificial system where something had to die for the sins, to atone for the sins. And Jesus came and was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But when he rose again, what happened was he conquered death and he beat sin and then he was able to offer forgiveness to us. And he was able to offer that we would be just as if we had never sinned. And then we can be in relationship with the Father. Why did all of that happen? Because God desperately longs for you and I to be his daughters and to be in relationship with him. So Jesus is, is the ultimate and the first bridge. And, and many of us in this room, we have crossed that bridge. And so as we talk this year, there's kind of two hats that we'll be on as we bring our specific topics. And that is, one, what are the gaps that we're facing in our own life? Perhaps it's spiritual. We've bumped into something that we just don't know the answer. Or we know that God is calling us deeper, but we're just not there yet. It's a season of unrest in our life. Perhaps relationally, there's a conflict that has created a chasm, and you need to know, how do I walk this? How do I get from where I am in this conflict and this bitterness and this anger and this hurt over to a healthy place where I can move forward in life without the weight of 
this, this relational conflict. Maybe it's physical health. Maybe it's emotional wellness. Maybe it's spiritual depth. Maybe it's just life stage. There's a transition that's happening in your life. You've just become a mother or you've just become an empty nester or you've lost your spouse. There's some transition that's happened and you've never walked there before. And so there's this gap or this chasm that is, I don't know how to get from point A to point B because I've never been there before. And so together, we're going to talk about some specific things along the way that can be common gaps or chasms in our life and talk about personally, how do I let God build the bridge? How do I be a bridge builder? How do I follow God to walk across that bridge personally? And then the second hat we wear is we are all influencers. You spoke at your tables about who influenced you spiritually We are all influencers, and if we have crossed this bridge, then we get to be guides, and we get to walk back across and to walk someone else who's never crossed this bridge. And so part of what we're processing is, how do I do this personally, but how do I demonstrate this to others and be a bridge builder or a bridge um, um, guide (laughs) that helps people walk from point A to point B? Because here's the thing. If I have had this spiritually deep experience, and let's just say that I've taken a peacemaking class, and I've learned a bit about conflict resolution, and I'm finding that I, I don't panic when I hit conflict with other people, because I've learned some tools about turning to God, asking good questions, being humble, and how to have conversations with the person that I'm in conflict with, okay? So I'm over here at point B. I'm not perfect, it's not solved, but I've learned something. It does no good if I yell over to the person at point A, hey, you should do it different. (laughs) Hey, you're all worked up about that and you shouldn't be. Just stop it. (laughs) I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, How many of you are parents? Okay, there's a lot of parents in the room. Have you ever noticed that just telling your kids, stop it, doesn't actually work, really, very often? Now, perhaps if stop it has been your family keyword and they know that what follows is a disciplinary act, then, then stop it does make a difference. But that's because you have walked with them long enough that they know what it means, right? So um, when we are talking about being disciples of Jesus who make disciples, who reflect what we're learning to the other people in our life in a way that they can also learn about God. We're talking about being somebody who will go over to somebody where they are at point A in whatever season of life that we're talking about, whatever the issue is that we're talking about, and meet meet each other right where we are at point A. And there's no shame for being at point A. There's no condemnation for what you haven't learned yet or or what hasn't happened. And together, in community, we walk across the bridge to point B. Now, across women's ministries, we're talking about this idea of bridge building. And so sometimes the bridge isn't just a point A to point B. The bridge is a back and forth. Uh, For example, the, the bridge is on the river here in Salem. If you live in West Salem and you work downtown, every day you're crossing back and forth across those bridges. It's not just that A is the bad place and B is the good place. It's that there are parts of our life that need to be connected. That's why we're talking about joy and grief at the women's retreat. The goal is not to go from grief to joy and always stay in joy. The goal is to recognize that if we want to live in the fullness of joy, we've got to be willing to cross the bridge back and forth with grief. And what does hope play in that? 
And so that's the conversation that we're going to be having at women's retreat. So that's kind of the overarching theme for the year is what does it look like to build bridges, cross bridges, help others across bridges, learn what bridges connect things that need to stay connected in order for us to be healthy. Um, and the Wednesday night at the table, um, they're going to be kind of talking about the tension bridges. What are the things where you have to kind of hold two things and, and be okay with just, even if they seem kind of opposite, um, that's how the bridge is strong, is because of the tension that is held. So, you know, one example, uh, just a classic Christian example, is grace and truth. Grace means that God forgives us for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Truth is that there is a right and a wrong way to live that God lays out in Scripture. Truth without grace becomes legalism. And I'm guessing that most of us have walked with a legalistic Christian, and it's just not a place that reflects the love of Christ. But grace without truth is license. And perhaps many of us have walked with somebody who's just said, well, God forgives me so I can do whatever I want. It's only when you hold those two in tension that we live in the fullness of what God made. And so at the table, we're gonna be, they're going to be talking about some of those, uh, those things that get held in tension. Um, and for the record, the table is brand new. It's going to be on the Wednesday nights that are not gathering nights, so about three Wednesday nights a month. And its goal is to have a place where people who want regular community, who don't have, an, I mean, if you do have another small group, you can check it out, but specifically reaching for um, those who don't have another place that has just been there ongoing community to see if perhaps having some of these conversations around a smaller table uh, might be a place to go a little bit deeper. So today, the bridge that we're talking about is the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Because there is a night and day difference between being a person who has heard Bible verses who has been taught about who God is and a person who recognizes the voice of God, who sees God on the move in their life and who has a personal sense of God's Holy Spirit presence in their life. The person who knows God, not just about God, but knows God. You know, one of the classic Bible verses that we learn as kids if we grow up in the church is John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And do you recognize that there is a life and death difference between knowing that verse, having it memorized, being able to say, God loves the world, and so he sent his son, and the person who knows the son that God sent, and who has entered into a personal relationship with Jesus to the extent that I can say with full confidence that when my physical body gives up, I will not die, but I will live for eternity in heaven with Jesus. I officiated my first uh, funeral a couple weeks ago. And this was a man who had just lived a quiet faith his whole life. He had brought his family to church. He had been in a Bible study. He had served. He had, he had been a part of the Christian faith. But he didn't talk about it a lot. He was pretty private about it. And about two weeks before he died, around his bedside, he had his family with him. And he looked up and he said, I know the Lord. I love the Lord. And I know that I will be in heaven. And you better be there too. <laughs> this was someone who knew Jesus. He didn't just know about Jesus. He knew the person who at the crisis moment at the end of his life made him confident beyond a shadow of a doubt that the faith he had chosen to put in Jesus as a young person had carried him through his life and would carry him through eternity. 
This is the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And I think that many of us are probably on varying places of this journey. And part of the reality of the journeys in our life is that along the way, there are things that block our ability to move forward or they block our ability to see God, to recognize his voice in our life, to recognize his presence. So where I have a personal relationship with Jesus, his Holy Spirit lives in me and I recognize when he is at work in my life and I recognize when I see him at the work of others, and yet there are seasons when it is just distorted or blurry or not clear. And so today I want to talk about a few of the things that block us from seeing and hearing God. And I want to talk about then how do we, how do we cross those hurdles on this bridge of being people who are growing from simply intellectual awareness of, about God into people who walk in daily recognition of his presence in our lives. So... Um, I feel like there was something else in the setup, but I'll just circle back around to it and I'll let you know when I remember it. Uh, out at where I live, um, I can see Mount Hood. So here's a picture of Mount Hood. I do not live this close to Mount Hood. This is just a pretty picture, okay? For me, when I see Mount Hood, it's across some farmer's fields and off at a distance. And if you take a picture of it, it's about this big. But when you're standing there on a day when it's clear and the sun is out and the field is with wheat and it's just before the harvest, it's just glorious, right? So Mount Hood is always there. It, it, I, can, I walk out, I get to Sunnyview Road, and I look over here, and I know where to look, and, and that is where the mountain is. The mountain is not moving. The mountain is not hiding. The mountain is not changing. The mountain is there. That's Mount Hood, okay? And, and for our purposes today, we're using that as a metaphor for God. Because truly, God is not changing. He is not moving. He is always present, no matter what, and he has made himself available to us to be seen and to be heard. And you're like, Jennifer, I have never seen God and I have never heard God. <laughs> I have never heard an audible voice of God, and yet we talk about that we can know him by the way we recognize his voice in our life. So um, one of the ways that I recognize God's voice is by the awareness that in the thoughts in my head, there are several sources for where those thoughts are coming from. Sometimes those thoughts are simply coming from me. <laughs> I saw something, it reminded me of something, I had a thought about it. Sometimes those thoughts are coming from my culture and the world around me. You know that, we, that people are out there to exploit and program us to think certain things. To, there are advertisements that train us to see something and it triggers this thought. I must have a coffee. I must have a hamburger. I must buy those clothes. Sometimes thoughts are coming from the culture around me or something external. Sometimes our thoughts are direct from uh, from the devil, the enemy of our soul. Uh, in, in Paul's letters, he calls it the fiery darts of the enemy. He throws in, a, he lobs a thought and hopes that it'll take root, hopes that it'll take anchor. Those are the kind of thoughts when something just comes out of the blue about, um, why am I so fat? That is not a God thought. You will be likely to attribute that to yourself and the reality is, it's the enemy of your soul lobbing a shame arrow into your heart and into your mind to see if you will grab it and claim it and worry about it. Sometimes they're really subtle and hard to read, and other times they are not subtle at all and not hard to read. And you realize, oh, the enemy is trying to sucker me and I am not having any of it. <laughs> but it's hard to discern sometimes. And then the other source can be the Holy Spirit of the living God. 
He says that he will remind us of what Jesus has taught and he will comfort us and he will counsel us and he will convict us of sin. And so there are times that he will show us the way to go. So there are times when the thought that is in my head is something that God is actually telling me or that God is actually telling you. And some of us have a really hard time with that. When we hear somebody say, well, God said this or God said that, you're like, okay, so I know that God said this. And anybody else claiming to have heard from God has to have margin for error. And that's very, very true. But when we say that we've heard from God, what what I'm saying when I say I've heard from God is, in my spirit, something has come up that does not contradict the word of God in Scripture, that does not contradict the community of faith that I have grown to be a part of and and learned to, um, to test out things that I think I've heard from God with. And, and it makes sense to say, yeah, I think God might be calling me to a trip to West Africa. I think that might be God showing me something. And whenever I say it, it's always with the reality of, I could be wrong. I might be hearing this wrong, but I believe, and, it, and it's coming in a way that I recognize as a way God has spoken to me before. It does not contradict the Bible, and it doesn't hurt, it's not sin, and it doesn't hurt anyone in my life, then I, I'm going to act on that, and, and it, will, it will eventually become clear whether that was God or not. I, I, sometimes we just have to test out what we believe we're hearing. But to say, I'm not sure if it's God, therefore I'm not even going to try to listen, is, is one of the hurdles from actually seeing him along the way. So we can hear God's voice. We can see him. Have you ever had that moment, like me with Mount Hood, where you just kind of stop and you're just like, oh. And, and maybe it's in a relationship that you've been in and you've seen God heal someone or help someone or, or act on their behalf. You know, I have a friend who on October 1st told one of her friends, something has to change, but I recognize I can't change it. I just am telling God I need something to change and I'm turning over a new leaf and trying to just trust him. And on October 3rd, out of the blue, she got a phone call from somebody asking her to turn in a resume for a job she'd never asked for. When she shares that story with me, I go, that's God. God's caring about her. He's seeing her. I see God at work when I see him at work in you. When I see him at work around here, when I notice what he's doing, when I see the beauty of his creation, when I hear a story about his redemption of something that the enemy meant for evil, I am seeing God at work. Those are ways that move us from just knowing about him to knowing him. Because when we hear him, when we see him, when we recognize him in others and recognize his work in us, his Holy Spirit moves deeper in possession of our soul. And we recognize, no, I don't just know about what the Bible says. It absolutely radically transforms my life and causes me to live with the confidence in this person that I've believed in that I've never, ever seen with my physical eyes. And yet there are things that get in the way of seeing Mount Hood. There are days and there are moments that I can't see the mountain. Now, it doesn't mean the mountain isn't there. It just means I can't see it. So what are the things, some of the things that block our sight of God or that block my sight of this mountain? And the first one is this. Sometimes my eyes are closed. (laughs) Sometimes my eyes are closed. Perhaps I'm asleep. 
Perhaps I'm resting. Perhaps I'm, I've got a terrible headache or I've, I, I'm angry about something or perhaps I don't want to see God right now. But for whatever reason, my eyes are closed and I can't see God. I can't see the mountain simply because my eyes are not open. Here's a scripture passage about this that I would love for us to anchor into, especially in this idea of how do we build bridges with others and how do we follow God in such a way that others see God at work in us. Here's a passage of scripture about having our eyes closed. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Friends, if you have someone in your life, at work, in your family, in your neighborhood, other places of your spheres of influence, if you have someone in your life who is not currently a Christ follower, their eyes are closed. And the Bible tells us that they cannot see God because the things of God are spiritually discerned by the Spirit who is alive in us. And sometimes for those of us who've walked with Jesus our entire lives, it is really hard to remember that my perception of the world is very, very different than the perception of the world from someone who has never had their eyes opened by the Holy Spirit of the living God. And so as we consider how do we be bridge builders that help those that we love to move from a place of knowing about God God, having heard about him, to a place of really knowing him, we must recognize with grace and with a whole lot of humility that their eyes are closed and they cannot see the mountain. So how do we move, how do we walk with someone from that point where they cannot see Jesus and meet them where they are without any condemnation or shame or guilt or, you know, just stop it or just do it, but actually meet them and have relationship with them and it's this. They will see the reflection of Jesus in you. When you live as a disciple of Jesus, they will see his love. They will see his gentleness. They will see his forgiveness. Friends, when you walk in humility with a non-believer who you are in conflict with, when you take responsibility for your part of the conflict and you demonstrate the ability to leave your reputation in God's hands and not defend yourself, you will reflect the nature and the character of God to someone who cannot see him until such a time as they become thirsty, as the Holy Spirit begins to invite them and to woo them until a place where they would willingly open their eyes because they have seen the reflection of Jesus in you. Sometimes our eyes are closed. Other times there is something that gets in the way that blocks our view. Here you will see the Pratham Co-op. This, now, this is a pretty picture, so it, there isn't always a rainbow above it, okay? But this is from my back porch. This is where I live, and the mountain is right behind that big rusty building. Um, we kind of like, the, the building's kind of iconic, but it is really rusty. I can't decide if I love it or hate it, but it blocks my view of the mountain. So when I leave my house, I actually have to go around the block to get out to where I can see the mountain. So there are times, now, the mountain is there. Okay? Just because the building is there and blocking my view doesn't mean that the mountain moved or the mountain disappeared or it's not there. Now, there's no evidence of the mountain in this picture at all. If you didn't know where I lived and you didn't know where Mount Hood was, you would have no idea that Mount Hood is behind the Pratham Co-op. 
And there are things like that in our lives that block our view of God. There are the structures that perhaps have been built by others. Perhaps in your family of origin, there was some relationship or something taught that for many years blocked your view of God or distorted your view of God or caused you to view God in a way that actually wasn't true to his character and his nature. Some of you might have grown up in that overly legalistic home where God was the ruler who saw everything you did, kind of like Santa, only always angry. He knows when you've been naughty and he knows when you've been nice and, and you just always have to do the right thing because Jesus always sees when you're being bad. That is something that blocks our view of a loving God who sees us where we are and who wants to heal and redeem and convict, but he does that with all grace, right? So there are structures that have been built. Perhaps you've been hurt. Perhaps something has been done to you and it has blocked your view of God because how could God let that thing happen? How could God have allowed that hurt or pain in your life or the life of a friend? And there is a building and it is in the way and you can't see God right now. And what is it like to recognize that in the world around us, there are things that are out of our control, in the control of some other person or some other entity that you and I have to find out, how do we get around? How do we position ourselves to be in a place where we can see the mountain? If I want to see Mount Hood, I cannot stand on my back porch and wish that the Pratham Co-op would go away. I just wish that building would go down right now. I just, I want it gone because I want to see God again. I want to see that mountain. It's beautiful and it's glorious. And I want that moment of, there is God from right where I'm standing. And friends, that building is not going away because I wish it away. Now, it might go away because it's old and rusty and in windstorms, big old panels of sheet metal fly off. Um, But... My kids don't want it to go away. They love it because when we've been on a long trip, they know when we're close to home because you can see it from miles away. Uh, But, and and it is, I mean, it is kind of charming in its rustic way, right? Anyway, it might come down, but not because I wished it down, but because it's a danger and a liability to its owners. (laughs) But when we are facing something in our life that is out of our control, that is potentially in the hands of another person in our life, that has distorted our view of God or continues to block our view of God, um, perhaps your husband left and it's not in your control and you don't get to choose what he does. Perhaps your husband stayed, but he's not living like a very mature Christ follower. (laughs) And every day you're reminded that you are not in control and you can't just wish that he would be different. And it's, it's making it hard for you to see God and recognize God at work in your life. And I would just say, friends, how do we position ourselves to see God when we recognize that there are things that are not going to move or change in our lives? And with humility and with grace, we say, God, I can see that this is not changing, but I want to see you. So what do I need to change? What do I need to do? Is it a spirit of gratitude? Is it, is it choosing forgiveness? Is it... Sometimes we need some boundaries and making some distance in certain relationships so that they can be healthy. I don't know what it might be for you, but at my house, I have to go out the door, down the street, and around the block before I can see the mountain. And I know that if I, wanted, if I want to see Mount Hood, I've, I've got to make a move myself. There's something that has to change. And so in your life, if you are facing a a Pratham co-op, if you are facing something that just routinely is blocking your view of God, I invite you to ask him, God, what is my way around? What is my way towards you? Because it's not going to be by staying right where I am and wishing somebody else would change.
Moving from knowing about God to knowing God takes effort on our part. It's not about us. God has to reveal himself, but sometimes we have to move to be in the place to be able to see him. And the third thing that sometimes blocks my view of Mount Hood is that it's a cloudy day. (laughs) I open my eyes, I leave my house, I go around the corner, I look to where I know Mount Hood is, and it's just enshrouded in clouds and I can't see it. And you know what? There's nothing I did to make it cloudy. There's no sin that I could confess to make right so that I could see the mountain again on a cloudy day. There's no person that's blocking my view. There's nothing that's been done to me. There's nobody who's at fault in this. I simply can't see the mountain because it's a cloudy day and it's completely out of my control. And we call it spiritual mystery. <laughs> there are just things of God that there are seasons and times when it's, it's more dry. And it's just not as clear to me. And honestly, friends, when I face a spiritual season like this where I can't see God, I make it all about me. I need to read my Bible more. I need to get up earlier in the morning. I need to be praying more. I must have something I should confess. There's a relationship I need to make right. I go into full-blown problem-solving fix-it mode because it must be about me. And while all the things I just listed can be positive things in our life, and at times that is what we need, at times I need to be in God's word more. The reason that I feel distant from God is because I have not been spending time in God's word. I've not been spending time perhaps in worship or in fellowship or in prayer. But other times it's simply a cloudy day. Now if you've been an Oregonian for long, you know that right now is a glorious anomaly The sunshine that we have been having into October, the fact that my neighbor's roses are still in bloom right now and I've got color in my garden, this is a beautiful anomaly. But there are those of you who have lived here when the clouds came in in September and they did not leave until April or May. I remember one April that I was just dying. I was just like, I am so done being cold and wet. Can we just have a sunny spring? And sometimes we get them and we all just love how glorious it is. But I think the same is true in our life. And I suspect that there are some of you who are in about January or February in Oregon. It's just been cloudy a long time. And you have known moments where you could see the mountain. You have had times in your life where you saw God and you saw him at work and you heard him and you knew it and it resonated deep in your spirit and you have a relationship with the living God. You know God, but it has been cloudy for a long time and you're starting to wonder, why can't I see him? Why can't I hear him? Did I do something wrong? Is there something I'm supposed to be doing to change this? And I would just say this. You're not alone. It is not unusual. And and some of the the folks who've been around a long time call it a dark night of the soul. A season where God just is not quite as tangibly evident to us, and yet he is working. I remember a year that I just did not feel like I heard God and there was a lot of frustration and a lot of confusion and a lot of wondering what have I done wrong. And I remember when spring came spiritually for me and it was probably in about August or September of October of the following year. And what I noticed in my life was all of these flowers were popping up all over the place. And what I realized was while it was dark, while it was winter, while it was cloudy, God was working in ways that I could not see. God was working below the surface in my heart. God was working below the surface in other people's hearts. He was working in quiet and invisible ways. And yet in his timing, he began to reveal what he'd been working on. 
He began to, I began to see growth in myself. I began to see growth in others. I began to see fruitfulness in ministry. I be, it was like these flowers were just popping up all over. And that doesn't just happen overnight. It wasn't that God was gone for nine months and then he came back. It was that it was cloudy and I couldn't see him for nine months. But I believed because I know him. When I walk out on my country road and it is a cloudy day, I don't say, oh no, Mount Hood is gone. What happened to the mountain? All my belief in the mountain has been ill-founded because it's no longer here. No, I say, it's a cloudy day and some other day I'm going to be able to see the mountain clearly again. And we need to learn spiritually to let our roots grow so deep that in those cloudy seasons we don't say, I'm starting to not think there's a God. I'm starting to wonder if God really loves me or cares about me. I wonder if I've made a mistake and if my faith has been ill-founded and if God isn't really who he says he is. Can I say this? I asked that question a couple times growing up in life, and I remember the moment and where I was when I thought, is this whole God thing just wrong? Like, how do you know? How does a person know? I'd been a Christ follower for probably... 15 years when I had that question? For me, the answer came in the words of Peter. There was this time that Jesus was teaching, and, and I don't have time to look it up and tell you all about it, but he was teaching and he was telling them that I am the bread of life. If you want to come to the Father, you have to eat my body and drink my blood. It, it really was an offensive teaching. I think it's really kind of creepy. And he was teaching, and a whole bunch of people left as he taught that day. And he looked at his disciples and he said, what about you? Will you leave me too? Will you leave me when it's cloudy? And when the teaching doesn't make sense, and when you don't understand what I'm saying, and you don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing, and you can't see your way forward, and quite frankly, I'm, and you're offended with me, are you going to leave too? And Peter turned to him and he said, where else would we go? You alone have the words of life. And I remember where I was when I said, God, are you just a joke? And then I went, where else would I go? He alone has the words of life. I am going to stake my life on the fact that he is who he says he is. And there have been times when the clouds have cleared and I have seen the assurance of the hope and the faith that I hold and cling tightly to during the cloudy seasons. Friends, a woman who knows God is not shaken in her faith by the cloudy seasons, no matter how long they last. And yes, there are times when we hit April and May and we're like, I'm so tired of being cold and wet and I wish that I could see the mountain today, but I will not waver from my belief in the God who is my savior, who is my friend, who is my lover, and who cares tenderly for my soul and who fights for me in that spiritual battle that is this world and this life. It is when we are anchored in that place that we can reflect to others the love of Jesus in their cloudy seasons and help walk each other across the bridge when we face our own questions and our doubts and our insecurities. We are going to uh, wrap up, and I am going to give you an assignment, but I'm not going to grade it. Don't like grading papers. We uh, have run out of time, and we're actually going to just finish a few minutes early, and so those of you who need to go get kids, I'm going to give you five minutes to visit here before you have to go get your kids, okay? Uh, should you choose to accept it, 
There is a green sheet in the back by Jared, and it is a psalm. It's a psalm of praise, and, and one of the things it models is the psalmist rehearsing. One of the ways across the bridge from knowing about God to knowing God is to worship him in our thoughts and our minds and to be reminded of what we're grateful for and to, to rehearse where we have seen him helps us to see him again. And so uh, we were going to do this in a reflective time, but I talked too long. And so you've got a psalm there that you can read through. And then there's a question here. It, it, part of what the psalmist says is, come and see what God has done. So this is an invitation to purposely spend some time today or this week Thinking back through your last couple weeks and make a list of the things that you're grateful for. Where have you noticed God? Where have you seen God? Some of you would say, Jennifer, I don't hear God. But if you would stop and just think back to those moments and things that you are grateful for, God's word tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Those things that you're grateful for, they're things that he's working on your behalf. And then if you want to, turn it over and write a praise. A come and see what God has done from your own life. Some of us can, the teaching will take deeper root when we interact with it. So, sorry I didn't give you time to interact with it here, but there's green sheets in the back if you want to take them, and I'm going to say a prayer, and we're going to dismiss. Father, thank you that you are a God who did not just create us and leave us, but you want relationship with us. You long to be known by us, to be seen by us, to be heard. You long for that so much that you sent your son, God. So when we, when we feel like we're wandering, like we're lost, like we can't see you or we can't hear you, I pray that you would anchor us to the faith of the knowledge that you are a God who wants to be known, who wants to be seen, who wants to be heard. Would you make yourself known and seen and heard in the lives of the women here today, in the weeks to come? God, you know each heart, you know each mind, you know each doubt, you know each question, you know each hurt. And you know how to show yourself to us. You know how to speak to each individual woman. You know how to make yourself known in a way that she cannot doubt that you have just revealed yourself to her. So would you do that? Would you give each of us a moment, an encounter with you that would deepen our faith, that would send our roots deeper, that we might be be able to stand and be steady in the seasons where our view of you is blocked. Thanks for your grace today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.